Welcome to the teaching ministry of Steve Franklin. Steve's calling is to coach champions in the kingdom of God. Our prayer for you as you listen to this word of encouragement and instruction is that you'll be built up in your faith and encouraged to take the next step in your development as one of God's true champions. Here's Steve. We're winding down. We're not done, but we're winding down in our series on kingdom economics. God has a system. It's God's desire to bless His children. I mean, that's right out of, right out of the front gate. Uh, when he created Adam and Eve, the first thing he did was he blessed them. He supernaturally empowered them to prosper in what he'd assigned them to do. He said, be fruitful, multiply, be productive, take dominion. You say, but Pastor Adam and Eve blew it, and they did, and we're all paying uh, a price for that. But God got into a covenant with another man named Abraham, your spiritual father. And uh, that was, God said to Abraham, I'm going to bless you and make you great, so you will be a blessing. In fact, in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. God has given us a mighty opportunity to partner with Him in the area of our resources. What a blessing. It's not an obligation, it is an opportunity. God says part of that opportunity is that we recognize who is sovereignly in control of our resources. Understand that right out of the gate, when God said to Adam and Eve, all this is yours, take dominion, you're blessed and prosperous. God said, there's only one thing uh, that you can't consume, and that's mine. I planted that tree. It's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And if you do that, you will die. And understand, at the core of original sin was consuming something that belonged only to God. And God has said, and, and you see, that's been our challenge uh, forever, is consuming something that God has said belonged only to Him. God has said that there is a portion of everything He blesses us with. And remember, this is not just the Mosaic Law. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before Moses ever got here and the commandments of the Old Testament, Abraham, our spiritual father, tithed to Melchizedek, the high priest, who is a type of Jesus. Hundreds of years before that. So this is not just, and, and besides that, Jesus didn't come to destroy the law of Moses. He fulfilled it. And God says that this, this, this portion, this top 10% of all I bless you with is mine. And he says, if you will honor and obey that, and it's not a matter of money. God doesn't need money. It's a matter of lordship. It's a matter of sovereignty. It's a matter of recognizing who the source of every good and perfect gift is. And that's what he's asked us to do in return in partnership with him. In fact, if we will just obey, he says, I'm going to open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing till it overflows. 
I can tell you and I'll bet you that there are people here who have been tithing for years and if you're doing it in the right spirit and attitude, I'll bet you you couldn't imagine the blessings that you have today many years ago. God says this is a holy portion. It belongs only to me and I want you to observe it that way. You have an account in heaven. I talked to you about that last week. And I also I want you to know this, that not only will I open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, but I will rebuke the devourer on your behalf. In other words, somebody, there is an agent, and, and that Malachi 3 passage says, he will not, he will not destroy. There's an active agent for your demise. There is one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and you know who that is. And he is actively involved to steal, kill, and destroy. And he wants to rob God's children of their blessings so that all they'll be, they'll be distracted all the time as it relates to their resources and constantly, constantly be in lack and never be able to sufficiently. I don't know why God chose to fund the kingdom of God through his children. But he doesn't drop money out of heaven every day. You get yours on the lawn every day? I didn't think so. I don't know why God chose to do it that way, but that's His choice. And this is a matter of recognizing His sovereignty and an opportunity to partner with Him in that. Now last week we talked about the wonderful passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and we talked about the factor of grace. And I, I want to... Um, I want to remind you of something uh, here as I read verse 8. God is able to make all grace, God's favor and ability. God is able to make supernatural favor and ability abound towards you. That you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. I told you last week that you, I, I invited you to join Dina and I in our aspiration. We want to be able to do whatever God touches us to do at any time. But you can't do that if you don't even have enough to operate on. There's no way. God is able. One of our problems uh, and, and we talked about all kinds of grace. We talked about saving grace, sustaining grace. Uh, we talked about healing grace. But there's also financial grace. Do you see it right here? This, is a, this context is about sowing and reaping. And do you know that when you get involved with God in partnership in sowing and reaping, God is able to make all His favor abound towards you. And you know what? Nobody else can make that happen. You can't even make it happen for yourself. God is able to cause His favor to abound towards you. Well, all of that being the case, and God giving us an opportunity to partner with Him and with blessings attached to it, and grace being in there. Well, why is it that we don't see much of this happening, at least all over the body of Christ? Why, why is it that we don't see that? And uh, I believe one of the main reasons is because we still look through the lens of lack. We still have a poverty mentality in so many ways. 
We look through that lens of lack. And in order for us to really get involved in God's economy and really be the vehicles through which God does what He wants to do in this earth, bless us to be a blessing, then we've got to confront these lies that without knowing it, we're holding on to. Deep down in our spiritual gut, we're holding on to some lies, and uh, we haven't really embraced the truth. Where do those lies come from? Some of it comes from our spiritual genetics. Do you know you're born with Adam's spiritual genes? Romans 5 is very plain about that. We are physically born spiritually dead. We have the spiritual genetics through physical birth of Adam and his unbelief. Faith doesn't come naturally. You don't just be born physically and have it. It is developed, it comes through and is developed, it's developed by the Holy Spirit, but it comes from the Word of God and hearing that Word continually in your inner man, your spirit man. So understand this, that by our nature in our own flesh, we have the tendency to believe that God doesn't want the best for us. Isn't that why Adam and Eve sinned in the first place? The devil deceived them into believing that God was withholding something good for them, so they went ahead and consumed it anyway because of their unbelief that God wanted the very best from them. We're born with the tendency to disbelieve that our Father, our Heavenly Father, wants the very best for us. And without knowing it, we, 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 our own flesh, we just don't really believe what God wants to do for us. And it is looking through the lens of lack and it hurts us. Another way that we look through the lens of lack is the way we associate. Who do you associate with? Do you associate with people who are all the time talking about how difficult it is that they'll never be, they'll never have anything, that it'll, it's all put in a sock with holes in it. Um, do, you, do you associate with people who are people without faith as it relates to the provision of God? Our associations, we've got to watch because uh, the Word says that who we associate with truly affects us. Sometimes we look through the lens of lack because of today's circumstances. Well, I see all these responsibilities and I see that what my income is up against my responsibilities or even my desires is not matching up. And so when you see the responsibilities matched up against the accounts and what is, is, is the income, it's easy to look through the lens of lack and say, I'll never be able to live that way in God's financial grace. And God's financial grace is an abundance for every good deed. Our present circumstances, sometimes all we can do is focus on our present resources. And I don't care how many present resources you have, I'll bet you somewhere deep down in your inner man is a twinge of fear that it's not going to be enough. Right? Looking through the lens of lack. Looking through the lens of lack. 
And sometimes we just have, do you know that, that a lot of times the devil has propagated the lens of lack through the church? through uh, religious ideas and myths. I have listed some um, myths that have been propagated through religion that I want you to see the myth and then I want you to see what the scripture says about those myths. Because sometimes in the life of believers, those myths have been propagated through religion. In other words, sometimes there are vast systems of religion who teach, or at least the way they act, that poverty is next to godliness. That um, the more spiritual you are, the less resources you're going to be able to work with. Uh, and that those who are the most spiritual are those who live a life of uh, great poverty. And uh, I've listed a few myths for you here. It's on the front and the back of your sheet. And uh, it is for you to go home and study if you care to. I'm not going to take the time to go through all these, but I promise you, I've done a lot of research on this. You know, of course, um, uh, one, of, one of the greatest myths was that Jesus was uh, poor. And uh, they start by saying, well, look where he was born. Uh, he was born in a stable because he was homeless. Uh, you do remember, though, that the uh, scriptures say that Jesus was born in a stable because there was what? Some up here in the front. No room for them where? In the motel. Not because he didn't have any resources or his family was broke. And I know there's a passage in 2 Corinthians 8 9 that says that Jesus, for our sake, though he was rich, yet he became poor. What is he talking about? This was talking about, and you do understand that when you leave heaven and all its riches and streets that are pure gold, and you come down here, you do understand that he's talking about in comparison to what he had in heaven, he became poor on earth. Everything is poverty compared to heaven. You do understand that, don't you? So this was not saying that uh, Jesus uh, was poor. In fact, Jesus assisted the poor and taught others to do so. How, if he was poor, how did he do that? The fact is, Jesus never lacked what he, what he needed financially or material, uh, materially for his life and ministry. Uh, I was interested, I read it again this week, where you, you all remember the, the, the uh, 
feeding of the 5,000. Yes, you do remember that. The Bible says there were 5,000 men there. Well, how many of you know that in those days, uh, it was common for there to be multiple members of the family? So even if you put a wife and a child with most of those men, um, you could easily have had 15,000 people there. And the disciples came to Jesus, you remember that? And uh, they said, uh, Lord, should we go into the city and spend 200 denarii to feed all the, how would you like to have to pay out of your own pocket to feed 15,000 people at a minimum? How would you like to do that? The disciples' question was, Jesus, we're broke. How are we going to do that? No, 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 no. Their question was, should we spend it on this? And yet the religious mind says they didn't have the wherewithal, so Jesus had to call for a miracle to feed the people. Read the context. And in modern American currency, what they were talking about was multiplied thousands of dollars. Jesus' ministry was not broke. In fact, you do remember that Judas was the uh, accountant, right? The treasurer. You remember that? Well, apparently he was stealing all along the way and the other disciples didn't notice it. How many of you know if there wasn't but a little in there, they would have noticed it? Oh, well, he was a homeless wanderer. Do you know, and I've got it written down there for you, over and over and over and over again, it said, and Jesus went to, and Jesus went to the house. Jesus went home. Well, Pastor, what about that passage that says, Jesus said, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He was passing through Samaria. He meant, I don't have plans to spend the night anywhere right now. But after that, it said, and he went home to Capernaum. Capernaum was where Jesus established his home. After he was a grown man and left his family, he had his own home in the seaside town of Capernaum. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. We get affected by myths and don't even know it. And that kind of mentality creeps into our lens so that we don't look through the lens of God's grace and what he's able to do through partnering with him and believing him and trusting him. How many times as a pastor have I heard it said through the confession of our own mouth, I have heard this said by others, well, I will never have anything. I hear, I, I hear this said by Christian people. I can't take, I can't take wealth. It'll ruin me. I don't think you're going to have to worry about it. I'm serious. I'll never have anything. This is ruining me. Some market conditions, some decision by customers or clients. You better get, the, you, you better get linked up with the right provider. He's able to do what nobody else can do. 
We've got to confront and change the way we see things. You need to see yourself as God's precious son or daughter. That's what the Word clearly says. He's in love with you. Fight the lens of unbelief. Get involved in partnership with God. Get tough on yourself about how you think and what you say. Get tough on yourself. You say, why about that? Because I'm just, I'm just talking. God knows I don't mean it. I'm done. No. See, Proverbs 18.21 says, life and death are in the power of the tongue. Wow. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. So are you cursing yourself? Are you making a forecast of what you'll never be able to have or do? Are you saying, I'll probably never get out of this? this is, I, I hear Christians say, this, this is going to kill me. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. What do you continually say about yourself and your own condition? Jesus said it like this. Matthew 12, 37, whoo, boy, this, ooh, this is haunting. By your words, you will be justified, and by your words, you will be condemned. Your words, your words. Everybody say this with me. According to Jesus, I will be justified or condemned by my own words. So what are you saying about yourself? You're God's precious son and daughter. He loves you. I don't care what kind of hole you're in today that looks insurmountable. It is nothing to the God of heaven. He can do this. He is well able. He is well able. Our words are powerful. Do you know, I'm going to have to give an account of my words when I see Jesus. Ah, man, I wish that wasn't true, but you know what Jesus said? Every idle word that you speak, you'll give an account for it in the day of judgment. Oh, my goodness. You know what idle means? It means it's just sitting in neutral, don't have any power. What are you saying about yourself? Well, I tried to say the right thing, and I'm in such a hole right now, but listen, this is what Jesus said about speaking to the mountain as we had a wonderful word of prophecy last uh, Sunday from Brother Donnie. And that is, what do you continually say to your mountain? Jesus said, whoever says, and the Greek there is, and continues to say, be removed and cast into the sea. This is not, I'm going to try that two or three times. No, this is getting in partnership with the God of heaven who gives us the power of words that flow out of the truth of the Word of God by the power of the Spirit of God. Let me say that again. It is continually saying what there is witnessed by the Spirit of God written in the Word of God. That's where the authority is. We've got to tell ourselves the truth to break the lens of this lack in unbelief. Tell yourself the truth. And begin to believe that God himself is able to do 
what only he can do in every area. But in this area as well, in the area of your resources and finances. I want to read you just a few excerpts of, now, now, now bear with me now. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, I'm going to read you just a few excerpts of, and you just listen, about the blessing of the Lord for those who are willing to obey Him. All these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city and blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground, the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flocks, your assets that you need and have in working. Blessed shall be your basket and your netting bow, that is your daily provision. Blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will even cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before you. They'll come at you one way and flee before you seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses, in your investments, and in all that to which you set your hand. And He will bless you in the land. And the Lord will open to you the good treasure of heaven to give you whatever it is that you need. The rain in your land in its season. He'll bring forth what you've planted in its season. You will lend to many nations, but not borrow corporately. God's promises are powerful. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You'll be on top and not underneath. You say, well, Pastor, I know that that is true, but I've read the curses that follow disobedience, and boy, they are awful, awful curses. Uh, they are. They are. Have you gotten in love with Galatians 3 yet? Listen to this. Galatians 3.13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that Jesus took on himself the curse of my sin and yours, of my disobedience and yours. Jesus took the curse on himself that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles in Christ Jesus that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. If you are Christ's, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. If you've never gone and asked to do a study on the blessings of Abraham, you ought to start. It starts on the inside, and it extends all the way to the outside. Will you just take a minute with me now and just bow your head? I want you to give the Lord Jesus thanks that he took on himself the curse of the violated law of God and released the blessing on you. It's yours. It's yours.
Would you ask the Lord by His Holy Spirit to reveal to you those areas where you've been looking through the lens of lack, where you have dead-ended yourself by your own thinking and speaking, where you have seen that it's got to be somebody else or some job or some investment or some something that is going to give you what you would love to be able to do instead of focusing on the God of heaven who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all that you ask or think. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you where you're looking through the lens of lack and come against it. Rise up and say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I come against this lens of lack. I come against, because it's unbelief. It's unbelief. Show me where, through my own thoughts and words and my own activities, that I am hindering what you want to do in and through me. Get in covenant partnership with God. You say, well, Pastor, I, I, I don't, I've got so much on me right now, I don't know how I can ever get through this. Psalm 31, 5 says, my times are in thy hands. My times are in thy hands. God knows what time it is in your life. And he is able to bring to pass all of that for which you're longing. Remember, God is at work right now on that circumstance and situation that causes you the most pain. Do you believe Him? Will you cooperate with your faith? Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. Would you give Him thanks that He's at work? I pray for you all the time for mighty blessings on your income, on your business, for wisdom and discernment, for partnership with the Lord. I go before the high priest of heaven on your behalf all the time, and I ask him to bless you mightily. Oh God, please grant it for all of these who hear in the precious and holy name of Jesus. Well, we'll see you next week. Go with God, he's going with you. You can access more of Steve Franklin's teachings online at www.sfmin.com.